Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas season to you all. Um, I want to read a portion of scripture from Isaiah chapter 9. I've titled today's sermon, The Dawning of a Light. Would you guys read with me? Isaiah 9. It's a little, it's going to take us a second. You ready? Let's go. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Someone say amen. Amen. Stay standing for a moment. Anyone else getting washed by the Spirit just reading that? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you right now, God, that we're, we're not just here to give a couple weeks where we are giving a cute message about the little baby in the manger, although that's cute. We ask God for your power to come, for you to move in this place, for us to see the glory of Jesus revealed 2,000 years ago and still relevant and active and alive within us. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, even right now, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you guys can have a seat. Despite what you might think, the start of the Christmas season does not begin when Mariah Carey appears on Instagram. (laughs) Though those high notes may be computerized nowadays. Is her whistle still real? We don't know. But it breaks the ice of fall and leads us to a Christmas wonderland. And for that, I am grateful. Thank you, Mariah. And as special as that number one song is to us all. Some of you love it, some of you hate it. I still get a little happy listening to it. But really one of the markers of the Christmas season is that as the days get darker earlier and we shed a little moistened tear from our eyes, as the days end around 4.40 p.m., the Venice drum circle gets earlier and earlier. And we we notice something. We notice that in the midst of the darkness, there's a little twinkle that appears on your neighbor's neighbor's front lawn. Christmas lights. (laughs) And in the middle of the juxtaposition of the darkness, a light appears. Many lights appear. And it brings a nice little nostalgia in the middle of the darkness as we realize that Christmas is soon approaching. And that's where we're leading today. The dawning of a light. The dawning of a light. You guys are venturing with me? Ready? The darkness of the world. When you first walk into a completely dark room, what do you do? I do this. Where's that light switch? 
because you can't see anything. And so you reach out against the wall, you flip on a light so that you can actually see what you're doing. Otherwise, you're fumbling around, you stub your pinky toe, and what was a good day turns into a frustrating one. And so the first thing that you do is turn on the light so that you can see. I was thinking a little bit about what is the darkest, the darkest, physically speaking, not spiritually speaking, the darkest experience that I've had in my life. I was just thinking about it. And when I was but a young, eager 19-year-old who was finishing my first year of Bible school, studying missions and biblical studies, I was like, let's go on a trip. So I, I stayed with some missionaries in Zambia. That's kind of central, South Central Africa. And I uh, was there for about three months. Now, after doing some incredible... I mean, it was life-changing for me. Work, work with, um, with orphans, with a local church there, pouring out. We decided to take a weekend trip to, um, to a lake where we went kind of like, kind of camping. It was like little small huts that we stayed in. And I was like, this is nice. And they, we'd sat around the campfire and they told us, yes, just right over there, um, individuals are eaten by crocodiles once in a while, so be careful. These are not like Florida alligators. They uh, are vicious. Someone loves the Florida alligator. The gators. I almost said the Florida alligators. The Florida gators. Let's go. But the crocodiles of this region were vicious, and um, we didn't know what other kind of wildlife was out there, but we're in the middle of nowhere. In fact, I remember on the way back to town, which was um, at least 45 minutes just to get back to the smallest town, um, our axle broke, so we were using these, these giant rubber bands to keep, keep it intact. And then once in a while, it would snap, and we'd just go off the road again. So that was an experience. Um, lost steering control. But while we were in the middle of nowhere, um, my friend Ryan and I were like, this is magnificent. This lake is beautiful. Let's go take sunset photos, because the sunset there is like nothing you've ever seen. It really is like Lion King. So... <laughs> So we went on to the other side of the lake, and I, this is before iPhones, uh, circa, what is this, 2005? And so I had my little digital camera, thought it was really cool, and I went up on the side of the lake, and I'm taking sunset photos, and something I didn't realize, because I was a little newer to the turf, was that when the sun sets, it's like immediately dark. There's no like dusk, you know, happening. So, um, I was like, wow, we are pretty far from our campsite and we can't really see anything. There was, it was a new moon, so the moon was not out. And so Ryan and I are like, we better, we better like hustle, let's get back. So we start like moving along the lake and then we take the path and there's like probably like six foot high grass on both sides and we're like running. Here we go, we gotta get back. We're in the middle of nowhere with all sorts, of, this, is, this, is not, this is not Florida, this is Zambia. And so we're going for maybe like 150 feet, and I swear to you, I heard from multiple directions, large beings coming at us <laughs> through this ambiguous tall grass. And I said, Ryan, turn around. So we jetted back to where it was kind of bare, where this uh, kind of rock area was, and I was like, uh, did you just hear and what I was hearing? Yeah, 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 we're freaking out, 19 years old. And we're like, what do we do? Do we wait for them? What do we do? And we're like, well, I don't know, but let's try this. So I took my camera flash, because it was so dark, like immediately dark. And I was like, I'll use my camera flash so that we can both see and scare off whatever it is. And then we stood back to back with like probably five or six foot logs that we were carrying. We we're like, we'll just smack it to death if we need to. <laughs> so literally back to back, we're going through this and I get my camera out. <laughs> taking like, like, like flash photography. <laughs> and we go for a while till we get to a bit of a clearing and we're still on this little dirt path. And um, I was like, I guess, we're, I guess we're going the right way. This is crazy. I can't believe what, we're doing this. So we go for a while and then all of a sudden this gentleman appears, um, a local, and he appears and he gets about 50 feet away from me and he pauses and turns around and kind of waits for us to, to get to him. Because, oh, they, they must have sent this guy to come get us because they knew we were idiots <laughs> that had done this. So they're like, let's get a local to help these American men out, you know? 
And so we're like, oh, thank God this guy's here. So we're trying to chat with him. He doesn't speak much English. And so the only thing I knew was a little, a little ditty that I had learned that some of you on missions trips have learned as well. Um, Take Amba Ubamba on Yesu. So he knew this song. Hallelujah. We bonded for a moment over this little <laughs> worship song. And I, I, I said, oh, did, did Buana send you? Because this guy, Buana, is kind of like a nickname for boss. Like, hey, boss, you know. Did Buana send you? And he goes, uh, yes, Buana sent me. Oh, okay, Buana sent him. Cool. That's all he knows. We're just going to follow this, this guy back. And um, it is so dark at this point that I'm not even able to see my hand in front of myself. And this is outside. I've seen, I got to see more of the galaxy than I've ever seen in my life. But finally, we get to this kind of towards where the campsite is, where I recognize it. And he's like, okay, right there. And I was like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We get back to the campsite. They were worried sick about us. They were like, we thought you were bitten by a snake. I was like, I didn't even think about that. I was like, there's going to be a cheetah around my neck or something. And um, we were like, yeah, apparently, because we realized that we had taken the wrong path. So this would have, I don't even know where we would have, you may not have a church here today if, <laughs> if this man, this gentleman had not rescued us. And, um, and so um, they were like, we were worried sick about you. This is so dangerous out here, literally so dangerous. Like, oh my gosh, well, how long ago did you send that guy to come get us? And they're like, what do you mean? We didn't send anyone to come get you. Like, oh, that guy, that guy said, Buana sent him. And they go, oh my gosh, Buana in their language also means God. They're like, we were like, okay. <laughs> so either this man hears the Lord very well, a vision from his from his homestead to come get these white men. <laughs> or what I actually believe is that the Lord sent an angel. And this, this little 19-year-old Norwegian man taking my flash photography, I got just a little photograph of his, little, his nice ankle and foot. So that's what we got. That's my potential angel story for you. The Lord, the Lord provides when we are dumb and when we get off the, the, the path of life. I didn't really mean for this to turn into a sermon, but when we get off the path of life and we're moving around in the darkness and you can't even see your hand in front of you, the Lord in his great mercy will send angelic protection. Angels on assignment to rescue you from the pit, to rescue from the snail of the snare of the fowler, from deadly pestilence, back on the path of life. Amen. So that's, that's for free. That was just what I was thinking about when I was thinking about the darkest, the darkest experience that I've been in physically. And when we're looking at the meaning of Christmas, the Christmas narrative, and how it applies to our spiritual lives, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, it's hard to navigate any of these other complexities until we really get this truth that I'm about to tell you, until we get this established. And what that truth is, is that the world is in an incredibly dark place. Life will continue to be dark without lasting purpose. And the only way you'll be able to truly see and find your way is the light of Jesus. Jesus is our light. Matthew chapter four. This is where Jesus begins his ministry of preaching. And he says in Matthew four, verse 12, when Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And here he is quoting Isaiah chapter 9, which we just read. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning that it is a realm right here. It is here, found in Jesus. And then I love that Jesus calls his first disciples from that point. And here's Jesus walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net. They were fishermen. They were casting their nets in the lake. Verse 19, Jesus says, come, follow me. Can you imagine that this random man comes up at you, but his words are so full of the spirit that when you hear, come, follow me, there is a gripping within your heart that you let go of your day to day. You let go to your income. You let go to anything that you are familiar with. It says, Jesus says, I will send you, I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. That's a, this is always challenging for me to, to, to listen to because the moments that God calls me or calls us, are we willing to respond with that degree of, of immediacy? Letting go of whatever I'm doing in the middle of to be able to follow him in his direction. It's a radical faith. And I, I know, I believe and I know that he is still calling disciples Still, still those that are trying to find the light in the darkness, the Messiah, to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to leave the old ways behind, to drop your nets, to drop your old selfish kind of way of life. Though I'm not saying that everything they were doing was selfish. I just, I just believe that their old life they had to drop in order to follow him into new life. John says about Jesus in John 1, 9 through 10, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So my question for you is, how is the world dark? Biblically speaking, the word dark refers to both evil and ignorance, and it refers to sin and suffering. When Jesus was born, we see immense violence. We see political corruption, Roman rule, there's control, there's refugees fleeing for their lives, oppression, grief, broken families, and clearly we are still seeing this around the world today. A lot of people are out there trying their best to find the cure for all of this suffering and all of this evil, and we read in Isaiah 9 verse 2, one of the prophecies of the Messiah's birth, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. But here we find in the previous chapter, Isaiah 8, it gives an explanation of why we need the light of God. Why do we need this light? We see that rather than turning towards the light of God himself, people take control, their own spiritual wisdom. They, they hear in Isaiah 8, they're seeking mediums, they're seeking magicians instead of, instead of seeking God. And the chapter, verse, um, the chapter of Isaiah 8 ends with the result of what will happen and says in verse 21, because they did not seek the Lord and they went their own way, their own wisdom, their own spirituality, it says they leave distressed and hungry. They will roam through the land. They will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. So what's the meaning? Rather than looking towards heaven for God's guidance, they turn their attention merely towards human wisdom and human structure and try to find solutions for the darkness. So those in darkness turn towards worldly experts. They turn towards scholars. They turn seeking better education. Maybe this is what is going to bring the light. An improved economy, maybe better technology. They put all their effort into these worldly systems or potentially into spiritual systems, the new age, mystics trying to attempt to gain peace and meaning. We attempt to overcome darkness ourselves in our own strength. And in good intention, we even look at holidays like Christmas and encourage one another. You see signs and banners and, and bumper stickers this time of year come together in unity and peace. You have the light inside of you. Together, we can overcome hopelessness, hunger, worldly injustice. But can we? Can we? 
no matter how hard that we try in our natural purposing and good, no matter how, how hard we try, will we achieve a world of unity and peace? That is not the message of Christmas. It's actually the total opposite. The whole point is that no, no, we cannot achieve this kind of unity and peace. You won't even be able to find it yourself with all of your good efforts, much less the state of the dark world that we are trying to save ourselves. Actually, when we attempt to do this in our own strength, it only leads to more and more darkness and hopelessness. And the more that you disengage from the belief of God and turn towards other systems to illuminate you, the darker it will get. My mom's own testimony, she's, she's spoken from the stage here at Evergreen. And my mom grew up in a Methodist minister's home. But how many of you know that even, even you could be a, a pastor's child and, and not know that Jesus is your Lord, make Jesus your Lord and Savior. In fact, it was like teetering on um, almost a Unitarian kind of belief at that particular church, where it's like, it's all good. The road is wide. No, the road is narrow. But what feels good in our own understanding, in our own understanding, it feels good to say, one and all, all accepted, all are going down the path of life. We just need unity. We just need peace. We just need every single person to have that light inside of them really rip-roaring bright, you know? And my mom found herself in deep darkness, in deep depression, living in Chicago. They had my brother at the time. And in the midst of her depression, she was going to take her own life because she had tried counseling for years. And like I just said, even though counseling's good, it was bringing her into deeper and deeper darkness because it's without Jesus. You're taking these worldly systems and trying to find a solution when only Jesus is the solution. And so here she is trying to be a good person, trying to be a good wife, good mother, and just in the deepest pit. And so she had it all laid out to take her own life. And before she did so, the voice of God rang so loud in her spirit that said, Kathy, the only hope that you're looking for is in me. The only way out of this pit of despair is me. And if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And so she decided that day, she resolved within herself to lay down what she thought that she understood. She says, I am, I'm quitting therapy and I'm finding God. Now, I'm not telling you all to quit therapy. Take that before the Lord yourself. There's incredible counselors out there. Highly recommend Christian counselors because they have um, a very different worldview. They're going to give you very different advice. Now, a short time later, my parents moved to North Carolina. And, and within the same week, they both felt that burning in their hearts. The, the, the eyes of their hearts were illuminated to see Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they both gave their hearts to Jesus. And so I've been raised in a family that burns for the Lord. That was the year before I was born. And so their faith was real. It was active in their lives. It wasn't just a tradition. It was, it was real. And of course, my mom had to do some work to get out of that pit. But Jesus was the solution. And he is the one who is near. He is the one that goes with you through the valleys to bring you to the high place. He is our comforter, our counselor. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And she felt that immediate shift and that illumination of the spirit. And then there was the walking out. The difficulty with family, the difficulty of self-hatred, the difficulty of depression still had to see the finishing of that, right? It wasn't just that it was an immediate pulling out and everything was skittles and rainbows from that moment on. But she had Jesus and she knew, you know, when you know that you know that you know, the Holy Spirit is that, that knower inside of you. It's like nothing can, can take you out from that place. It's that deep conviction of faith. It's the gift of faith established within you by the Holy Spirit. And so that's the, that's the family that I am so thrilled and thankful that I get to, to be a part of. 
Christianity does not actually say, cheer up everyone. If we work together, we can make this world a better place for all. Doesn't that sound good though? Just cheer up, good Christmas. Just have some eggnog and light the fire. We, we can make this world a better place together. The message of the follower of Jesus instead is, the world is really tough, it's really dark. And the truth is we cannot fix ourselves and save ourselves, but there's hope. Dot, 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 but there is hope. And the hope is for those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus himself proclaimed it. He proclaimed this truth upon his arrival. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Light. What is the meaning of light? When Isaiah prophesies the coming Messiah's light, dark, light dawning on a dark world, his imagery is using the sun as a symbol, the dawning of the sun. And of course, the Lord, I, I swear to you, Father God is really cheesy. Jesus, mid-cheesy, Holy Spirit, he's cool. He's really cool. I might have the order reversed, but one of them is cheesy for sure. And he loves that the dawning of the sun, S-U-N, is also the dawning of the sun, S-O-N. The Lord's up there like, isn't that so good? That is, that's really good. And so Isaiah prophesies the coming Messiah's light dawning, the sun dawning on a new day. The sunlight brings life for growth. It brings a revealing of all things, and it amplifies beauty. Let's look at the meaning of light. Three main elements of light. Number one, the sun is the source of all life and growth. Acts 17, 28, for in him, in him, we live, we move, we have our, our being. He's keeping us alive at every moment. We have our being from him alone. Not only that, but our spirit and soul are made alive in him. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve had that person to person walking in the garden, the ruah, the spirit of God, face to face interaction with the Lord himself, that kind of rich relationship in the garden, yet that was lost, that was forfeited through their sin forfeiting the original rich relationship that they once had. And that's the reason that you and I will eventually know death of our mortal bodies. And that's why spiritually people are experiencing death currently. So number one, the meaning of light, the sun is the source of all life and growth. Number two, the sun reveals truth and the sun reveals purpose. If you're on your way up to Big Bear, they just opened up for ski and Snowboarding season, hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you're on your way up to Big Bear and those twists and turns are coming and your headlights go out in the middle of night, are you going to keep driving? You are going to slow your roll. You are going to pause your vehicle because you don't want to go off the cliff. Jesus, take the wheel. Why is that? Because the source of light that you have, that source of light is revealing the reality of your surroundings. And you need the truth of how things really are to be able to navigate in safety and to get to your destination. How many of you are glad that there is truth? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. First John 1, 5 through 6. This is the message we've all heard from him. And the message declaring to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, if you claim, if you claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You cannot walk in darkness and claim to have fellowship with God. In fact, you could be the, the holiest person on the outside possible, but living in darkness and I can guarantee you, you are not living in rich fellowship with God. All right, sobering. All right. This theme of God being our light and the source of all truth and purpose is being emphasized here. Through scripture and through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, he reveals what is true. And that truth lights our path. The meaning of light, the sun is the source of all growth and life. 
The sun reveals truth and purpose. And finally, the sun amplifies beauty. I already mentioned that I am Norwegian. I'm a dual citizen. Occasionally, there's benefits to that when I'm traveling. I have yet to use that, but I should. In the north of Norway, you can, you can be there in the summer, and the sun never goes down. It just goes like this, round and round. In fact, I've played golf at midnight. It's pretty fun. Now, in the winter, this time of year, you're not even going to see the sun. It's not even coming up above the mountains. So you can, you can be guaranteed that uh, medication for depression really goes up as well. Seasonal depression. In the summer, we're having a good old time. Winter, it's tough. It's tough in the north of Norway. I love that St. Augustine, he says one of his best quotes is, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. There's a theological belief that any place that you're experiencing true joy and satisfaction, that emotion of joy is given from God as the actual source. Each moment of joy bears the signature of God. When you are experiencing a moment of joy, whether you're in a rich friendship, you're getting washed over by music at a concert, you feel deep satisfaction when you're hiking above the Palisades, it's all bearing his signature. He's present and he's manifesting in joy. If God alone is the source of this light that we truly crave, this light that brings life, truth, and joy that we're, we're not able to attain by ourselves. We might have moments, little moments of happiness, little glimpses of it, but ultimately that will dim very quickly without the one who is joy living inside of you. How can this light dawn upon us? We're talking about this light dawning upon God's people. How does this light dawn upon us? That sounds really good, Pastor. Well, if, if we turn back to Isaiah 9, the middle portion tells us with clarity. For to us, a child is born. The source of this light that is dawning upon you, the source of this life, this truth, and this joy is from a child. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The source of our hope is this prophetic child. Yet all of, these ch all of these titles, all four of them, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, these are all titles given to God himself. And so he is both the creator and yet he is a child born. There are a few implications straight away from this truth. If Jesus really is mighty God, and if he really is the everlasting father, you can't just be cool with Jesus and like Jesus. Yeah, I like Jesus. I like some of his teachings. Anytime you see in scripture the narrative people of people interacting with Jesus, there's nobody like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. I think I like some of his message. I like some of those teachings. There was no mid Nobody is saying, I just really... So that was a slow response. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's saying, I just really feel energized for my work week because I heard Jesus preaching. And I feel like I can make it through this week because I heard his teachings. And, you know, listening to Jesus just makes me want to live a better life. It just, just felt good. I just turned on Jesus on YouTube for like 28 and a half minutes because that's how long his messages are. It's really refreshing. No, they were either terrified of Jesus, furious with him, or they fell to their knees in awe and adoration and reverence before him to worship him. If Jesus is who he claims to be, these are still our options. If he is the Lord, if he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, if he is who he says he is, these are still our options. And he is still very much drawing you in with the same compassion. He's drawing in, you in with the same goodness and demonstration of life and light, asking if you will make the decision to follow him, to give up your old way of living, 
to leave everything else behind for the sake of being in and through his marvelous light. And if he truly is the wonderful counselor and prince of peace, gosh, there is a drawing in of our souls and a holy ache and hunger to want to follow this God and want to serve him. Why is he called wonderful counselor? Well, we know that having a counselor today is incredibly helpful when you're handling your, your emotions, when you feel, I don't know what's up from down. I, I, I want to feel known. I feel like no one knows me. I need, I need to talk with someone. I need to process my, my feelings, my thoughts. I need to seek wisdom for life and relationships. It's helpful to talk to someone who, who either specializes in counseling or has a gift of counseling, who knows and understands and has sympathy for what we're walking through. Well, we have something that no other major religion has to offer. We have a God who came as fully God and as fully man. He laid it all down. He laid it all down humbly to be born in a manger, a feeding trough. He lived in a family with not much income. He worked hard with his hands. He learned skills. He woke up early to be with the Father and to memorize scripture. He met with the Lord and then he would go to work and he'd sweat a little bit. His hands would get calloused. He too had been abandoned by some of his closest friends. He understands what it is like to be treated with the most, the most injustice. So much so that he was tortured to death. The Christmas story amplifies that we have a God that has compassion and empathizes with us. He's a God that knows. He's gone through similar emotions and he's gone through similar temptations. Jesus has gone through temptations. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. I think I put 15 up there. 14 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, sympathize or to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I'm going to keep going. This is a good passage. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You can approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. When you face difficulties, when you face challenges, when you face temptations of any kind, Jesus is our great high priest who also knows and he also understands and he can empathize with you. Let him meet you in that place of temptation and suffering. And I know that the areas of our life that feel like they're swallowing up, swallow, swallowing us up with temptation, he can meet you in that place. And he goes, I know what that is like. I'm a God that can sympathize, empathize with you. Yet I am here. I am the great high priest who is super interceding on your behalf. And I have given you every amount of grace that you need to conquer that temptation. Every amount of grace. What the Lord is asking you to do, if it feels impossible, he has given you the amount of grace that is needed to conquer that thing. He is a victorious king. He paid for it on the cross, and that portion of grace is yours even today. And so he will give you the grace for that momentary suffering. Tim Keller, he's really inspired me a lot when it comes to Christmas messages, and a lot of this is springboarded from his teaching and who he is. Um, he just passed away this past year, and um, gosh, what, what a faithful servant of the Lord, pastoring in New York City for years and years. But um, I, I want to quote Tim Keller for a moment. He says, as wonderful counselor, Isaiah calls him wonderful counselor, which means he's beautiful. And perhaps now we get a glimpse of why he is. He has the infinite highness of being the mighty God. Yet he became one of us, enmeshed in our condition, in order to know our darkness. He saved us by going to the cross, and he did it all voluntarily. He did it freely, out of sheer love. That is beautiful. When we find something to be beautiful, not just a duty, we dwell on it. And we stand before it, because it is satisfying in itself. 
And so the reason we should obey him, not simply because we have to, but because we want to, it's that in light all of who he is and what he has done for us, he is wonderful. Jesus is the light of the world. He's bringing us completely, completely out of spiritual death. He heals our bodies. He opens our spiritual eyes. He changes our affections away from money, from sex, from power. Whatever is holding you bondage, he frees us into a life of purpose and meaning and vision, full of an everlasting and unshakable kind of peace and joy that the world just cannot satisfy. And even when we walk through the dark, even when we go through fearful valleys, he is a God that goes with us. He is a good shepherd tending after his sheep. And we get to give him our fears. We get to hand him over our failures. We approach the throne of grace and say, here I am in all of my mess, in all of my imperfections, in all of the things that I have done, in all of my shame, and say, I will still approach the throne boldly. You said that I could. And he says, thank you, just come to me. Let me clean, clean you up. Let me be with you. Let me hold you. Let me be the shepherd that is with you, that holds you. And so all of a sudden we lean into him, like John the Beloved, who knew the love of God maybe more than anyone, leaning on the chest of his, his beloved. We can lean in to our God and say, here I am. Here I am. What do you want to speak into my life? He is the best companion ever. How can this light be ours? It says, for to us a child is born, a son is given. He is a living gift by grace alone. Isaiah 9.5. This part might be a little confusing because, you know, you love the little precious moments happening, going on, and then all of a sudden in verse 9.5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood. I was like, this is getting, this is getting Game of Thrones over here. Garments rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Classic Isaiah. <laughs> it's like, I thought I was tracking with you, Isaiah. I loved this, like, dawn theme. I loved this wonderful counselor. I loved this foretaste of the light coming, but now you're getting me with this blood and war garments. So it might feel like an odd verse, but... Isaiah, the prophet, is emphasizing that this great battle is not ours to fight. He is the one who will fight on our behalf. And later in Isaiah, later we see that the prophetic declaration comes about the Messiah's work on our behalf. He is the one that works on our behalf, the finished work of the cross. And it says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he, prophesying of Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus paid the ultimate, the highest, the once and for all price for our sin. No longer do we have to offer any more bulls and goats and doves and whatever animal they were sacrificing. Thank God. This is our sacrifice, praise, worship, a life of worship unto him. But the ultimate final sacrifice was the, the Lamb of God, once and for all, hanging on a tree, hanging on a tree, just like the Lamb hung and let the blood drip down in the nation of Israel when they were enslaved in Egypt, and the blood dripped in the basin, and they would co collect the blood of this pure, spotless, innocent Lamb representing thousands of years prior, the, the Lamb of God who would hang for life to come. And they would take this blood with an ordinary hyssop branch and apply it to the door frames of their families' homes. And death would not come and take out the firstborn in the household, signifying that those who have applied the blood of Jesus to their lives, who have made Jesus Lord of your life, have the blood of the Lamb over the door frames of your household and death will pass you by. You will have eternal life, and it's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. 
The Spirit of God is the one that washes us. He is the one that cleanses us. He renews us. He makes us completely new creations in Christ. The light of God flashes upon you with new life, truth, beauty, and the gift of salvation. So what is our role? What is our role? We must admit that we were sinners before him. Admit we are in darkness, needing his saving light. Our role is to give up control of our own lives. It's only through repentance and turning towards him that we can come into the glory of his light. I want, I want to end with this quote from C.S. Lewis, and he's speaking of the incarnation of Jesus and says, we catch sight of a new key principle, the power of the higher, just insofar as it is truly higher, who came down, the power of the greater to include the less. Everywhere the great enters the little, its power to do so is almost the test of its greatness. In the Christian story, God comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still, if embryologists are right, to recap. Uh, recapitulate in the, the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life down to the very roots and the seabed of the nature that he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world with him. One may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair then gone with a splash, vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color, back to light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks through the surface again, holding in his hands the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. Jesus, the light of the world, giving his final breath on the cross. Darkness fell over the land. He descended into darkness in order to resurrect victoriously with God's marvelous light, graciously available to us all. And so in the middle of Christmas season, it's a time to reflect on our need for him. Can we take time to reflect on our need for him? our dependence on him. It's time to lay down your own self-efforts. It's a time to lay down your own ways, to let go of unforgiveness. Can this be a season where we can let go of unforgiveness? Can you reconcile with the people around you that you need to? Can you let go of the damaging patterns that we have given into in order to let his light shine again? to let his, his light shine on the areas of need and dependency and to come home, come home again to his open arms of love and to let him wrap you in his garments of righteousness, his garments of light. This is Jesus. He is our marvelous light. He is the one that we, that we get to serve. And as time passes, the, the more and more months that I rip off the calendar, the more I see just how faithful he is, how worthy of worship he is, that at the end of my days, I, I can't wait for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. There's nothing that would bring me a, a greater joy and a higher honor. There's this song that used to just wreck me that's like, when it's, when it's all been said and done, it's like, when it's all been said and done, this life, did I do my best to live for you? Did I live my life for truth? God, I give my life to you. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? There's this, this sense of a holy surrender that brings such a deep satisfaction if, if you feel hollow in different areas, if you feel anxious, if you feel like you've been running after different areas of purpose and meaning and 
It's, it's found in the sweet surrender to Jesus. When, when you know that you've laid your life bare before him and just given yourself openly and said, here's my life. I just want to be following you. I just want to be obedient before you. Obedient, not in a term of like, it's, 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 not, it's not this term that, that God is wanting to just create an army of pawns. It's, it's a joy to follow the voice of life itself. To know his loving kindness. Isn't it absolutely stunning that it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance? His kindness. It's not just a God in his, in his anger that's saying, get it right. Stop doing these things. Though there are moments that God will rebuke. He's not a punisher, but he disciplines in love. But it's his loving kindness that's our motivation. And you get to experience the, the depths of his loving kindness the more that you just hand over all the areas that are getting in the way of love. Would you guys stand up with me? I just want to read this portion one more time over us. Would you close your eyes, posture yourself in some way of just connecting to the Spirit of God right now? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this.